This is Lenin's What is to be Done in the brand new translation by Lars T. Lee. Chapter 2, The Stichinost of the Masses and the Purposiveness of Social Democracy. Stichinost is another one of these Russian words that Lee is actually leaving in Russian for us. So let's be weebs for Lenin and we'll learn. Uh, Stichinost, spontaneity? Uh, would be the traditional translation, but it encompasses all these meanings of like natural energy welling up and springing forth. And on the negative side, it would mean sort of anarchic, ungoverned, uh, just raw, uncontrolled uh, fury, maybe. Uh, But the revolutionary uh, cadre needs to be able to see and analyze and, of course, uh, harness for the great uh, benefit of the working class. We said that our movement, much broader and deeper than the movement of the 70s, must be inspired with the same dedicated resoluteness and energy as then. Indeed, up to recently it would seem, no one doubted that the strength of the present-day movement is the awakening of the masses and principally the industrial proletariat, while its weakness is the inadequate purposiveness and initiative of the revolutionaries and leader guides. Just recently, however, a truly astounding discovery has been made that threatens to overthrow all the hitherto dominant views on this issue. This discovery was made by Robochi Diello in its polemic with Iskra and Zaria, not limiting itself only to specific objections, it tried to bring, quote, the general disagreement, unquote, to deeper roots, to, quote, a different evaluation of the relative significance of the Stichini element, again, spontaneous element, and the purposive, quote, systematic element, purposive versus Stichini. The bill of indictment of Robocidiello states, quote, underestimation of the significance of the objective or Stichini element of development. In response, we say, if the polemic conducted by Iskra and Zaria led to no other results than prompting Robocidiello to think up this, quote, general disagreement, then this result alone would give us great satisfaction. So highly significant is this thesis, so bright a light does it shine on the essence of the present-day theoretical and political disagreements among Russian social democrats. This is why the issue of the relationship between purposiveness and stichinost, spontaneity, natural energy, presents enormous general interest. It behoves us to dwell on this issue in great detail. Section A. The beginnings of the Stichini upsurge, we have already noted the wholesale enthusiasm for Marxist theory among Russian-educated youth in the middle of the 1890s. Just around this time, worker strikes took on the same wholesale character after the famous Petersburg Industrial War of 1896. Their dissemination throughout all Russia was a clear witness to the depth of the people's movement that was newly rising up. And if we are going to talk about the, quote, Stichini element, then of course it is precisely this strike movement that one must call Stichini before anything else. But there are different kinds of Stichinost, natural energy. Strikes took place in Russia even in the 1870s and 1860s, and even in the first half of the 19th century, accompanied with Stichini destruction of machines and so on. In comparison with these, quote, riots, the strikes of the 1890s can even be called, quote, purposive, 
So significant is the step forward that the worker movement had made by this time. This shows us that the, quote, Stihini element is in essence nothing other than the embryonic form of purposiveness. Even primitive riots always already express a certain awakening of purposiveness. The workers lost their age-old faith in the unshakability of the order that oppressed them. They began, I won't say to understand, but to feel the necessity of collective resistance, and they broke once and for all with slavish humility before the bosses. But this was still much more an expression of despair and revenge than of struggle. The strikes of the 1890s reveal much more of the rudiments of purposiveness. Specific demands were set forth. The most convenient moment was calculated ahead of time. Known occurrences and examples in other places were considered, and so forth. If the earlier riots had been the uprisings simply of oppressed people, then these systematic strikes already expressed the embryo of a class struggle, but indeed no more than the embryo. Taken in isolation, these strikes were simply a trade unionist struggle. Now that's Lenin's using a, the English expression trade unionist as a loan word in Russian. Uh, so it was they were simply taken in isolation. These strikes were simply a trade unionist struggle, but not yet a social democratic one. They bore witness to the awakening of the antagonism between workers and owners, but there did not exist among these workers, nor could it have existed at that time, an awareness of the irreconcilable opposition of their interests to the entire political and social order. In other words, a social democratic awareness in this sense the strikes of the 1890s, despite the enormous progress in comparison with the, quote, riots, remained a purely Stihini movement. We stated that there could not have been a social democratic awareness at that time among the workers. It could have been brought in only from outside. The history of all countries bears witness that exclusively with its own forces, the worker class is in a condition to work out only a trade unionist Awareness, that is, a conviction of the need to unite in unions, to carry on a struggle with the owners, to strive for the promulgation by the government of this or that law that is necessary for the workers, and so on. Note two, trade unionism always does not exclude any kind of, quote, politics, as is sometimes thought. Trade unioni always carry on some non-social democratic political agi agitation and struggle. We will discuss the distinction between trade unionist and social democratic politics in the next chapter. Uh, there was an earlier note, actually. It was just noting the precise uh, source of a quote of Roboti Diello, number 10, September 1901, pages 17 and 18. Sorry about that. Back in the body text, the doctrine of socialism grew out of those philosophic, historical, and economic theories that were worked out by the educated representatives of the propertied classes, the intelligentsia, the founders of modern scientific socialism. Scientific socialism, right? Marx and Engels belonged themselves, according to their social origin, to the bourgeois intelligentsia. In exactly the same way, in Russia as well, the theoretical doctrine of social democracy arose completely independently from the Stihini growth of the worker movement, arose as a natural and inevitable development of thought among the revolutionary socialist intelligentsia. 
at the same time, that is the middle of the 1890s, this doctrine of scientific socialism had not only fully taken shape in the form of the program of the, quote, emancipation of labor, unquote, group, but had also won to its side the majority of the revolutionary youth in Russia. Thus, there was on hand both the stihini awakening of the worker masses, the awakening to purposive life and purposive struggle, and the availability of a revolutionary youth armed with social democratic theory, who were straining at the bit to get to the workers. In this connection, it is especially important to establish the often forgotten and comparatively little-known fact that the first social democrats of that period who zealously carried on economic agitation and in so doing took full account of the genuinely useful instructions of on agitation, then still in manuscript, not only did not consider such agitation their sole task, but on the contrary, from the very beginning, put forward both Russian social democracy's broadest historical tasks in general and the task of the overthrow of the autocracy in particular. For example, already at the end of 1895, the first issue of a newspaper entitled Robochi Diello had been put together by the group of Petersburg Social Democrats who founded the, quote, Union of Struggle for the Liberation of the Worker Class, unquote. This issue was completely ready to go to press when it was seized by the police on the night of the 8th of December in a raid on the quarters of one of the members of the group, Anatoly Alexeyev Veneyev, note three. And so this original Robochidiello was not destined to see the light. So on Vaneyev, he died in 1899 in East Siberia from the tuberculosis picked up while in solitary confinement in pretrial detention. We therefore judge it permissible to publish the information given in the text. We guarantee its reliability since it came from persons who were intimately acquainted with A.A. Vaneyev. And so, right, this original Robochidilo was not destined to see the light. The leading article of this newspaper, which perhaps some 30 years from now, some Russian historical society will extract from the archives of the police department, outlined the historical tasks of the worker class in Russia, putting the conquest of political freedom at the head of these tasks. Along with this was an article about police persecution of the literacy committees entitled, What Are Our Ministers Thinking Of? There was also a series of reports, not only from Petersburg, but also from other localities of Russia, for example, about the slaughter of the workers in Yaroslavl province. In this way, this, if I'm not mistaken, first try, quote-unquote, of the Russian Social Democrats, was a newspaper without a narrow character, much less an economistic, quote-unquote, one, a newspaper that strove to merge the strike struggle with the revolutionary movement against the autocracy and to attract all those oppressed by the policies of reactionary obscurantism to the support of social democracy. And nobody who is in the slightest degree acquainted with the state of the movement at that time will doubt that such a newspaper would have met with full sympathy for both from the workers of the capital and from the revolutionary intelligentsia, and that the newspaper would have received the widest dissemination. The failure of the enterprise proves only that the Social Democrats back then did not have the forces to satisfy the demands of the moment due to their lack of revolutionary experience and practical preparation. Other Social Democratic pronouncements of that period, uh, like the St. Petersburg Robochi Listok, 
the manifesto issued by the newly formed Russian Social Democratic Party in spring 1898, and especially Rabochaya Gazeta, had uh, similar content, prospects, and fate. Certain words here that are in brackets in the book uh, are added uh, to make the English flow smoothly uh, by Lars T. Lee. If you'd like to see the details of that, uh, definitely just yeah pick up the book. But for this audiobook, I'm just going to read them. It goes without saying that it would never occur to us to blame the activists of that period for this lack of preparation. But in order to draw some practical lessons from this first try, and to gain some benefit from the experience of the movement, it is necessary to be frank about the reasons and significance of this or that failing. Therefore, it is extremely important to establish the point that a section, perhaps even the majority of social democrats, active during 1895-8, to considered with complete justice that it was possible even then, at the very beginning of the Stahini movement, to come forward with a very broad program and a militant tactic. Note 4. Iskra has a negative attitude toward the activity of social democracy at the end of the 1890s and ignores the absence during that time of the conditions for any other work than the struggle for petty demands, unquote. So announced the, quote, economists in their, quote, letter to the Russian social democratic organs in Iskra number 12. The facts given in the text above demonstrate that this affirmation of the, quote, absence of conditions is diametrically opposed to the truth. Not only at the end, but even in the middle of the 1890s, conditions were completely ready for work other than the struggle for petty demands, except for adequate preparation of the leader guides. Uh, again, leader guide is, is a, with a slash. Um, I think that's a translation of a single word in Russian, but uh, Lee wants to leave active the meanings of both the word leader and the word guide, you know, just guiding the stahini natural swelling up kind of uh, uncontrolled energy, right? And just guiding it, right? Under, in turn, the guidance, I think, of the working class, right? Lenin sees this as a reciprocal relationship um, and therefore leader guides. And now, instead of openly admitting this lack of preparation on our part by us, the ideologues, the leader guides, the economists want to shift the blame to the, quote, absence of conditions, unquote, to the influence of the material environment that determines the path from which no ideologues can cause the movement to stray. What is this, if not slavishness towards Tihinost? Spontaneity. What is it, if not the infatuation of the ideologues with their own inadequacies? Back in the main text, the lack of preparation of the majority of revolutionaries is completely natural and should not worry us over much. Given that there was a correct definition of tasks and also the energy to try again and again to fulfill those tasks, these temporary failures were only half misfortunes. Revolutionary experience and organizational skills are things that come with time if there is the desire to develop the necessary qualities in oneself. In a revolutionary cause, an awareness of our failings is more than halfway to fixing them. But a half-misfortune became a real misfortune when this awareness began to fade, and it was very much alive among the activists of the groups mentioned above. And when there appeared people, and even social democratic periodicals, who came up with theoretical arguments that turned such failings into virtues, 
who even tried to justify theoretically their own slavishness and kowtowing towards Tihinost. It is time to sum up the results of this tendency, whose content is very inexactly characterized by the overly narrow label of economism. Section B, kowtowing to Stichinost, Rabotia Musel. Before moving on to the literary manifestation of this kowtowing, let us take note of the following characteristic fact given to us by the source mentioned earlier, one that throws some light on how the split between the two future tendencies of Russian social democracy emerged and grew up in the milieu of comrades active in Petersburg. At the beginning of 1897, just before they were sent into internal exile, A.A. Veneev and several of his comrades happened to participate in a private meeting that brought together the old, unquote, unquote, and the, quote, young members of the Union of Struggle for the Liberation of the Worker Class. The conversation mainly focused on organization and in particular on the same, quote, rules for a worker fund, unquote, that were published in their final form in late 1898 in number 9 through 10 of Listok Rabotnika, page 46. Between the, quote, veterans, the Decembrists, as Petersburg Social Democrats then called them as a joke, and several of the, quote, youngsters, who later collaborated with the Robocia Musul, immediately arose a sharp disagreement and a heated polemic broke out. The, quote, youngsters defended the main principles of the rules as they were printed. The, quote, veterans said that what we needed most of all was not that, but a strengthening of the union of struggle into an organization of revolutionaries to which would be subordinated various worker funds, circles for propaganda among students, and so forth. It goes without saying that the disputants were far from seeing this disagreement as the beginning of a parting of the ways. On the contrary, they assumed it was unique and accidental. But this fact demonstrates that the emergence and dissemination of, quote, economism took place in Russia not without a struggle from the, quote, old social democrats. The current, quote, economists often forget this. And if this struggle, for the most part, has not left any, quote, documentary traces, the sole reason is this, the composition of active circles changed unbelievably often, no continuity could be established, and therefore disagreements were not fixed in written documents. The emergence of Rabochia Musul brought economism into light, but also not right away. One must concretely grasp the conditions of work and the short duration of the existence of Russian underground circles, and only those who lived through them could grasp these concretely in order to understand what a role chance played in the success or failure of the new tendency in various towns, and why for a long time neither the supporters nor the opponents of the, quote, new tendency could not, were literally unable, to determine whether this was a real tendency of its own or whether it was simply the expression of the lack of preparation of particular individuals for example, the first hectographed issue of Robocia Musul remained utterly unknown to the vast majority of social democrats, and if we now can refer to the editorial contained in this first issue, this is only because it was reprinted in the article by V.I., Listok Robotnika, number 910, page 47 and following, 
uh, who did not neglect, of course, to zealously, overzealously praise the new publication that distinguished itself so sharply from the newspapers and the projects for newspapers mentioned earlier, note 5. By the way, this praise of Rabochaya Musil in November 1898, when, quote, economism, especially abroad, was completely formed, comes from the same V.I., who soon thereafter became one of the editors of Roboche Diello, and Roboche Diello denied even the existence of two tendencies in Russian social democracy and continues to deny it still today. Back in the body text, and it is worth dwelling on this editorial, so clearly does it bring out the whole spirit of Rabochaya Musul and economism in general. After noting that the man in the blue uniform, the gendarme, cannot halt the development of the worker movement, the editorial continues, quote, The worker movement is indebted for this kind of vitality to the fact that the worker himself has finally taken over his own fate, since he has torn it out of the hands of their leader guides. And this basic thesis is then developed in detail. In actuality, the leader guides, that is the Social Democrats, the organizers of the Union of Struggle, were, so to speak, torn out of the hands of the workers by the police. Note 6. And yet the matter is presented as if the workers struggled with these leader guides and freed themselves from their yoke. Now, note 6. The correctness of this comparison can be seen from the following characteristic fact. When, after the arrest of the, quote, Decembrists, the news was disseminated among the workers in, this re in the region of the Schlüsselberg Highway that the Proval was aided by the dentist and provocateur N.N. Mikhailov, who was close to one of the groups attached to the, quote, Decembrists, these workers were so outraged that they decided to kill him. Mm, a dentist. Back in the body text, instead of urging people forward toward the strengthening of the revolutionary organization and the broadening of political activity, the writers urge people back to nothing but a trade unionist struggle. They pompously announce that, quote, the economic foundation of the movement is obscured by the unceasing striving not to forget the political ideal, unquote. That the watchword of the worker movement is, quote, the struggle for one's economic position, unquote, exclamation point, or even better, workers for the worker, hmm, it is announced that strike funds, quote, are more valuable for the movement than a hundred other organizations, unquote. Compare this statement from October 1897 with the dispute of the, quote, Decembrists with the youngsters at the beginning of the year. And so forth. Various catchwords, our focus should not be on the, quote, cream of the workers, but on the, quote, middle worker, the mass worker, or, quote, politics always obediently follows after economics, unquote, note seven, and so forth and so on, became fashionable and acquired an overwhelming influence on the mass of young people who were attracted into the movement and who were familiar in most cases only with fragments of Marxism, as set forth in legally permitted publications. So note 7. This comes from the same editorial in the first issue of Rabochaya Musul. This statement allows one to judge the theoretical preparation of these VVs of Russian social democracy, who repeat the crude debasement of, quote, economic materialism, unquote, at the same time as the Marxists were conducting literary war against the real VV, long ago given the moniker, quote, reactionary par excellence, 
unquote, for the same understanding of politics and economics. Back in the body text, purposiveness was completely overwhelmed by Stichinost, the Stichinost of those, quote, social democrats who parroted the, quote, ideas of Mr. V.V., the Stichinost of those workers who succumbed to the argument that adding a kopeck to the ruble is nearer and more to be valued than any socialism or any politics, that they should conduct a struggle, quote, knowing that they are not fighting just for some kind of future generation, but for themselves and their children, unquote. Editorial of Rabochaya Musul, number one. Phrases like this have always been the favorite tool of those Western European bourgeois who hate socialism and therefore work like the German Sozialpolitiker Hirsch to transplant English trade unionism to their own home soil, telling the workers that it is the exclusively trade union struggle, note 8, that is precisely the struggle for themselves and their children, without worrying about future generations with their future socialism. And now the, quote, VVs of Russian social democracy, unquote, set about repeating these bourgeois phrases. So note eight, the Germans even have a special word, nur Gewerkschaftler, signifying the supporters of, quote, exclusively trade union struggle. Back in the body text, it is important at this point to focus on three circumstances that will be very useful to us as we continue to analyze present-day disagreements. Note 9. The emphasis on present-day is aimed at those who shrug their shoulders in pharisaical fashion and say it is easy nowadays to tear Rabochaya Musul apart, but really the whole issue is dead and buried. Mutato nomine de te fabula. Uh, the thing, mutasis mutandis, right? Um, you change the things that are different in each case, you know, and basically uh, the tale is told of you. It's the same story. Um, this is a phrase that Marx uses to say that basically uh, workers in the first world are kind of in ultimately going to share the same fate as people who are being fed into the machine, into the wood chipper a little bit faster out in the colonies, right? And in slave labor markets and so on, right? The story is told of you. This is your fate, ultimately. Um, right? So this is our answer to those, these present-day Pharisees who, whose complete enslavement to the ideas of Rabochaya Musul is proven below. Back in the body text, first, the replacement of purposiveness by Stichinost, mentioned above, itself occurred in a Stichini fashion. An, uh, maybe anarchic fashion, chaotic fashion, right? This seems like a play on words, but it is, alas, the bitter truth. It happened not by way of open struggle between two completely opposed outlooks and the victory of one over the other, but by way of the gendarmes who, to use the words of Rabochaya Musul, quote, tore away, unquote, a greater and greater number of revolutionary, quote, veterans, and by way of a greater and greater appearance on the scene of, quote, young VVs of Russian social democracy, unquote. Anyone who, I won't say participates in the present-day Russian movement, but only sniffed its air, uh, knows very well that this is exactly how the matter stands. And if, nonetheless, we insist that the reader completely grasps this well-known fact, if for ocular proof, so to speak, 
with your eyes. We provide data about the original and never published Rabochi Diallo and about the dispute between, quote, veterans and, quote, youngsters at the beginning of 1897. This is because some people who boast of their so-called democratism, unquote, speculate on the lack of knowledge of this fact on the part of the broad public or on the part of some especially young people. We will return to this matter later. Second, already in this first literary manifestation of, quote, economism, we are able to observe something to the highest degree original and extremely characteristic for the understanding of all disagreements in the ranks of present-day social democrats. The supporters of a, quote, purely worker movement, unquote, worships of the closest and most, quote, organic, the expression of Robocciello, link with the proletarian struggle, supposedly organic link, Opponents of any non-worker intelligentsia, even if it is a socialist intelligentsia, are compelled for the defense of their position to resort to the conclusions of bourgeois, quote, exclusively trade unionists, unquote. This shows us that Rabochaya Musul from the very beginning undertook, itself unaware of the fact, to implement the program of the credo, the creed, uh, this shows what Roboche Diallo simply cannot understand, that any kowtowing before the stahinost of the worker movement, any disparagement of the role of the, quote, purposive element, of the role of social democracy signals just by itself, completely independent of whether the disparager wishes this or not, the strengthening of the influence of bourgeois ideology on the workers. All those who talk about the, quote, overvaluation of ideology, unquote, of the exaggeration of the role of the purposive element, and so forth. Imagine that a purely worker movement can work out all by itself and is now working out an ideology standing by itself, apart from socialist ideology, if only the workers, quote, tear their fate out of the hands of their leader guides, unquote. But this is a profound error. To supplement what we have just said, we will also cite the following profoundly true and important words of Kay Kautsky, speaking about the draft of the new program of the Austrian Social Democratic Party. Note 10. This is from Neue Zeit, 1901 to 221, number 3, page 79, the commission draft of which... K. Kautsky speaks was adopted by the Vienna Congress at the end of the past year in a somewhat modified form. So here's Kautsky. Many of our revisionist critics assume that Marx affirmed that so economic development and class struggle create not only the conditions for socialist production, but also immediately generate the awareness, Kautsky's emphasis, of its necessity. And then these critics object that the country with the highest capitalist development, England, is the one most foreign to this awareness. On the basis of the proposed new draft, one would think that the commission that worked out the Austrian program shared this allegedly orthodox Marxist view that has been refuted in the indicated way. This draft reads, quote, The more capitalist development increases the proletariat, the more the proletariat is compelled to conduct the struggle against capitalism and receives the possibility of doing so. The proletariat comes to awareness, unquote, of the possibility and necessity of socialism. In this context, socialist awareness is presented as the necessary immediate result of the proletarian class struggle. 
But this is completely untrue. Naturally, socialism as a doctrine is as deeply rooted in modern economic relations as is the class struggle of the proletariat, just as both of them flow from the struggle against the poverty and desperation of the masses generated by capitalism. Nevertheless, socialism and the class struggle emerge side by side and not one from the other. They arise with different preconditions. Modern socialist awareness can emerge only on the basis of profound scientific knowledge. In fact, modern economic science is as much a condition of socialist production as modern, say, technology. The proletariat, even if it wanted to, cannot create either the one or the other. Both emerge from the modern social process. The carrier of science is not the proletariat, but the bourgeois intelligentsia, Kautsky's emphasis. Modern socialism emerges in the heads of individual members of this stratum, and then it is communicated by them to proletarians who stand out due to their mental development, who in turn bring it into the class struggle of the proletariat where conditions allow. In this way, socialist awareness is something brought into the class struggle of the proletariat from without, von außen hineingetragenes, uh, and not something that emerges from the class struggle in stichini fashion, urwüchsig. So urwüchsig in German would be natural, untrammeled, unfiltered, unspoiled, original, uh, rooted in the soil, rugged, earthy, etc. Correspondingly, the old Heinfeld program said with complete justice that the task of social democracy is bringing to the proletariat literally filling the proletariat up with the awareness of its position and the awareness of its task. But there would be no need for this if such awareness flowed out of the class struggle all by itself. The new draft takes this thesis from the old program and then attaches to it the thesis mentioned above, but the train of thought is completely disrupted thereby. And the quote by Kautsky, once we realize that there can be no question of an ideology standing by itself and worked out by the worker masses in the very course of their movement, note 11, then the question stands only in this way, bourgeois or socialist ideology. Note 11, uh, this does not mean, of course, that workers do not participate in this working out, but they participate not qua workers, it's Latin for as workers, right, but qua theoreticians of socialism. As Proudhons and Weitlings, in other words, they participate only insofar as they succeed to a greater or lesser extent in attaining a command of the knowledge of their century and in advancing that knowledge. In order for workers to succeed in doing this more often, it is necessary to occupy ourselves as much as possible in raising the level of purposiveness of workers in general. It is necessary for workers not to confine themselves within the narrow framework of, quote, writing for workers, unquote, but to study to achieve a greater and greater command of what is written for all. Instead of saying, quote, confine themselves, we should really say, quote, are confined because the workers themselves read and want to read all that is written for the intelligentsia. And only some bad intellectuals think that it is sufficient, quote, for the workers, unquote, to talk about factory conditions and chew over what has long been known. Now, workers should be involved in making new discoveries. Back in the 
body text. There is no middle way, for humanity has not worked out any kind of third ideology. And in general, in a society torn apart by class contradictions, there can never be a non-class or supra-class ideology. Therefore, any disparagement of socialist ideology, any distancing from it, signals in and of itself a strengthening of bourgeois ideology. People talk about Stihinost, but the Stihini development of the worker movement goes precisely to its subordination to bourgeois ideology, goes precisely according to the Credo program, because the Stihini worker movement is trade unionism, is nur Gewerkschaftlerei, and trade unionism is precisely the ideological enslavement of the workers by the bourgeoisie. Therefore, our task, the task of social democracy, consists of a struggle with Stehinost, consists in causing the worker movement to stray away from this Stihini striving of trade unionism toward accepting the leadership of the bourgeoisie, and in causing the worker movement to go toward accepting the leadership of revolutionary social democracy. The words used by the authors of the Economist letter in Iskra number 12, i.e. that the efforts even of the most inspired ideologues cannot cause the worker movement to stray from the path determined by the interaction of material elements and the material environment, is therefore utterly equivalent to the renunciation of socialism. And if the authors were capable of thinking through what they are saying fearlessly and logically to the end, as anyone who steps forward in the arena of journalistic and social activity should do, then nothing would be left for them to do but, quote, rest their useless arms on an empty breast, unquote, and, and leave the field of activity to Mr. Struva and Prokopovich who drag the worker movement, quote, along the line of least resistance, that is, along the line of bourgeois trade unionism, or to the Zubatovs of the world, who drag it along the line of a priest-gendarme, quote, ideology, unquote. Remember the example of Germany. What historical service did LaSalle perform for the German worker movement? It was this. He caused the movement to stray from the path of the progressive party's trade unionism, and cooperativism, the path along which it was moving in Stihini fashion, with the benign participation of Schulze, Delitzsch, and his like. Uh, to carry out this task, LaSalle needed something a lot different from talk about underestimating the Stihini element, about tactics as process, about interaction of elements and environment, and so on. This task required a desperate struggle with Stihinost. And only as a result of this struggle carried out over many long years were results obtained like this one. The worker population of Berlin changed from a bulwark of the progressive party to one of the finest fortresses of social democracy. And this struggle is in no way finished today, as it might seem to people who get their history of the German movement from Prokopovich and its philosophy from Struve. And even now, the German worker class, if I may so express it, is fragmented among a number of ideologies. A portion of the workers are merged with the Catholic and monarchical unions, another portion in the Hirsch-Dunker unions, founded by bourgeois supporters of English trade unionism, 
and a third portion in the social democratic unions. This last portion is immeasurably larger than all the rest, but social democratic ideology was able to achieve this primacy and will be able to preserve this primacy only by way of unremitting struggle with all other ideologies. But why, the reader will ask, does the Stihini movement, the movement that goes along the line of least resistance, go precisely to the domination of bourgeois ideology? Well, for the simple reason that bourgeois ideology originated much longer ago than the socialist ideology, that it has been worked out in a more all-encompassing manner, and that it disposes of immeasurably greater means of dissemination. Note 12. It is often said the worker class is drawn towards socialism in stihini fashion. This is completely true in the sense that socialist theory defines the reasons for the distress of the worker class more profoundly and more truly than any other. Therefore, the workers assimilate it very easily if only this theory does not abdicate before stihinost if only it subordinates Stihinost to itself. Usually this goes without saying, but Roboche Diello, as it happens, forgets and distorts what goes without saying. The worker class is drawn in Stihini fashion to socialism, but nevertheless bourgeois ideology, more broadly disseminated and constantly resurrected in the most various forms, all the more thrusts itself on the worker in Stihini fashion back in the body text, and the younger the socialist movement is in any particular country, the more energetic must be the struggle against all attempts to strengthen the non-socialist ideology. The more resolutely must the workers be warned against those bad counselors that cry out against, quote, the overestimation of the purposive element, unquote, and so forth. The authors of the, quote, economist letter grumble in unison with Roboche Diallo about the intolerance characteristic of the youthful period of the movement. Our answer is, yes, our movement really does find itself in a youthful condition. And in order to grow to man's estate, it needs to be infected with intolerance toward people who hold back its growth by their kowtowing towards Tihinost, worshipping spontaneity. There is nothing more harmful and nothing more laughable than to pose as veterans who have long ago lived through all the decisive episodes of the struggle. Third, the first number of Rabuchaya Musul shows us that the label, quote, economism, which of course we will not refuse to use since this nickname has established itself one way or another, does not quite give us the essence of the new tendency. Rabuchaya Musul does not completely deny the political struggle. The rules for a, a worker fund that are printed in Rabochaya Musul number one speak of a struggle with the government. Rabochaya Musul simply assumes that, quote, politics always obediently follows after economics. While Roboche Diello varies this thesis by stating in its program that, quote, in Russia more than any other country, the economic struggle is inextricably tied to the political struggle, unquote. Well, these positions of Rabochaya Musul and Roboche Diallo are completely untrue if we understand by politics social democratic politics. Very often, the economic struggle of the workers is tied, although not inextricably, to a bourgeois politics, to a clerical politics, and so on, as we have seen. 
The positions of Roboche e Diallo are true if we understand by, quote, politics, a trade unionist politics, the general striving of all workers to obtain from the government that or that measure aimed against the misfortunes inherent in their position, but not as yet aimed at eliminating that position, that is, not at annihilating the subordination of labor to capital. This striving is indeed common to the English trade unionisti who are hostile towards socialism, to the Catholic workers, to the Zubatov workers, and so forth. There is politics and politics. Thus, we see that Robochaya Musul is an example not so much of an outright rejection of political struggle as of kowtowing to its stihinost, to its lack of purposiveness fully recognizing a political struggle, or rather, not necessarily struggle, but just the political desires and demands of the workers, that grows in stihini fashion out of the worker movement itself, Rabochaya Musul completely refuses to work out independently a specifically social democratic politics that answers to the general tasks of socialism as well as to present-day Russian conditions. Later, we will show how Roboche Ediello makes the same kind of mistake. Section C. The Self-Liberation Group and Roboche Ediello. We have analyzed with such detail the editorial of the first issue of Rabochaya Musul, little known and at the present time almost forgotten, because it expresses earlier than all others, and more vividly than all others, the general stream that later came into God's world in an infinite number of trickles. V.I. was completely right when he said, in praise of the first number of Rabochaya Musul and its editorial, that it was written, quote, sharply with panache, Listok Rabotnika, number 910, page 49. Anyone who has a firm opinion and believes he has something new to say writes, quote, with panache, and writes so as to express his views vividly. Only people who are accustomed to sit between two chairs lack all, quote, panache. Only such people are capable of praising one day the panache of Rabochaya Musul and attacking its opponents the next day for their, quote, polemical panache. Unquote. Without dwelling on the separate supplement to Rabochaya Musul, for various reasons we will have to refer later to this production which expresses more consistently than anywhere else the ideas of the quote economists, we will take a short look here at the quote Appeal of the Worker Self-Liberation Group, March 1899, reprinted in the London Journal Naka Nunye, number 7, July 1899. The authors of this appeal say very truly that, quote, Worker Russia is only just awakening, only starting to look around and instinctively latching on to the first available means of struggle, unquote. But they draw from this the same incorrect conclusion as did Rabochaya Musul, forgetting that instinctiveness is the lack of purposiveness, stihinost, to whose aid socialists are supposed to come. They forget that the, quote, first available means of struggle will in modern society always be the trade unionist means of struggle and that the, quote, first available ideology will be the bourgeois trade unionist ideology. Also, exactly like Rabochaya Musul, the authors do not reject politics, but say only, only, following Mr. V.V., 
that politics is a superstructure and that therefore, quote, political agitation should be a superstructure in relation to agitation in favor of the economic struggle should grow out of that struggle and follow after it, unquote. As far as Raboche Diallo is concerned, it began its activity with a straight-out, quote, defense of the, quote, economists. After saying a direct untruth in its very first issue, number one, pages 141 to two, as if it, quote, did not know about what young comrades Oxelrode was speaking, unquote, when he warned against the, quote, economists in his well-known pamphlet, note 13. Robochi Diello had to admit during the polemics that flared up with Plekhanov and Axel Road that, quote, under the guise of perplexity, it wanted to defend all the young emigre social democrats from this unjust accusation, unquote. Axel Road's ag- accusation that the, quote, economists were too narrow. Note 13, uh, the contemporary tasks and tactics of Russian social democrats. Geneva, 1898, two letters to Rabochaya Gazeta, written in 1897. Back in the body text. As a matter of fact, the accusation was completely fair, and Rabochaya Diallo knew very well that among those targeted was V.I., Vladimir Ivanshin, a member of its editorial board. I note in passing that in this polemic, Axel Road was completely correct, and Raboche Diallo completely incorrect in the interpretation of my pamphlet, Tasks of the Russian Social Democrats. This pamphlet was written in 1897, that is, before the appearance of Rabochaya Musil, when I considered and had a right to consider the original tendency of the St. Petersburg Union of Struggle, as described above, as the dominant one in Russian social democracy. And up to the middle of 1898, at the very least, this tendency really was the dominant one. Raboche Diallo had not the slightest right, therefore, to use a pamphlet that set forth views that were pushed aside by, quote, economist views, unquote, in St. Petersburg in 1897-8 as a support for their denial of the existence and danger of, quote, economism. Note 14. In defending its first untruth, Quote, we don't know of which young comrades P.B. Axel Road was speaking, unquote. Raboche Diallo added another when it wrote in its answer, quote, After the review of Tasks was written, tendencies emerged or became more or less clearly defined in the direction of an economist one-sidedness that is a step backwards in comparison to the condition of our movement that was pictured in Tasks, page 9. Thus speaks the answer that came out in 1900. But the first issue of Roboche Diello containing the review came out in April 1899. Does this mean that, quote, economism only emerged in 1899? No, for in 1899 was distributed the first protest of Russian social democrats against, quote, economism, protest against the credo. But, quote, economism emerged in 1897, as Roboche Diallo knows perfectly well because V.I., already in November 1898, Listok Robotnika, number 910, lauded Robochaya Musil. Back in the text, but Roboche Diallo not only, quote, defended the, quote, economists, but also constantly strayed off itself toward the basic confusions of the, quote, economists. The source of this straying 
lies in the ambiguous interpretation of the following thesis from the Roboche Diallo program. Quote, we consider the most important phenomenon of Russian life, the one that for the most part will determine the tasks, our emphasis, and the character of the literary activity of the Union, to be the mass worker movement, Roboche Diallo's emphasis, unquote. There can be no disputing that the mass movement is indeed the most important phenomenon, but the question is, what do we mean when we say that this mass movement, quote, determines tasks, unquote? There are two possibilities, either in the sense of kowtowing before the stahinost of this movement, that is, reducing the role of social democracy down to a simple servicing of the worker movement as such, the possibility adopted by Rabochaya Musil, the self-liberation group, and other, quote, economists, or in the sense that the mass movement puts before us new theoretical, political, organizational tasks, much more complicated than those found satisfactory in the period before the emergence of the mass movement. Rabochaya Diallo tended and tends precisely toward the first understanding because it never said anything that was at all definite about any kind of new tasks, but continually reasoned just as if the, quote, mass movement relieves us of the necessity of being clearly aware and of solving the tasks being brought forward by this movement. We need only point out that Raboche Diello considered it impossible to set before the mass worker movement the overthrow of the autocracy as its first task. It lowered this task in the name of the mass movement to the level of the task of fighting for immediate political demands. That's in their answer, page 25. Without stopping at the article by the editor of Raboche Diello, B. Krichevsky, in number 7, Economic and Political Struggle in the Russian Movement, an article that repeats the same old mistakes. Note 15. Let us move on directly to Raboche Diello number 10. So note 15, real quick. The, quote, theory of stages, unquote, or the theory of timid zigzag in the political struggle, for example, is expressed in this article in the following way, quote, political demands, which are by their very character common to all of Russia, must, however, during the first phases, unquote, this was written in August 1900, quote, correspond to the experience drawn from the economic struggle by a given stratum, seek, yes, that's what they're writing, of the workers, a given stratum, only, exclamation point, only, hmm, on the ground of this experience can one, and should one, move on to political agitation, unquote, etc. That is page 11. On page 4, the author, protesting against what he regards as completely unfounded accusations of economist heresy, cries out with pathos, what kind of social democrat does not know that according to the teaching of Marx and Engels, the economic interests of separate classes play a decisive role in history and therefore, in particular, the struggle of the proletariat for its economic interests must have a paramount significance for its class development and liberation struggle, unquote, our emphasis. This therefore is completely out of place. From the fact that economic interests play a decisive role, no conclusion at all can be drawn about the paramount significance of economic, this equals trade, struggle, 
for the most essential and, quote, decisive interests of classes can be satisfied only by radical political changes in general, and in particular, the basic economic interest of the proletariat can be satisfied only by means of a political revolution that replaces the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie with the dictatorship of the proletariat. B. Krzyzewski repeats the reasoning of the VVs of Russian social democracy, politics follows economics, and so on, and the reasoning of the Bernsteinists of German social democracy. For example, Voltmann tries to show by exactly this reasoning that the workers must first acquire, quote, economic strength, unquote, before they can even think about political revolution. Hmm. Back in the body text. Of course, we are not going to nitpick with B. Krzyzewski and Martinov about their various objections to Zarya and Iskra. All that interests us are the positions of principle that Roboche Diello takes up in number 10. We are not going to analyze, for example, the following oddity. Roboche Diello sees a, quote, diametrical opposition between what is said in Iskra number 1 and Iskra number 4. Iskra number 1, quote, Social democracy does not tie its own hands in advance, does not narrow its activity to any plan thought up ahead of time or to any one method of political struggle. It recognizes all means of struggle as long as they correspond to the available forces of the party, unquote, and so forth. The position set forth in Iskra number four, quote, if there is not a strong organization that is tested in political struggle under all circumstances and during every period of time, then we cannot even talk about a systemic plan of activity that is illuminated by bedrock principles and steadfastly carried out, the kind of plan that alone deserves the name of tactics. Unquote. To confuse the recognition in principle, of all means of struggle, all plans and methods, so long as they are expedient, with the insistence, if you want to say something useful about tactics, on the need at the given political moment to be guided by a plan steadfastly carried out, is tantamount to confusing the recognition of various systems of cure by medical science, on the one hand, with its insistence on one definite system in order to cure a given illness, on the other. But that's just it. Roboche Diello, although itself, it suffers from the disease that we have named kowtowing before Stichinost, does not want to recognize any, quote, system of cure against that illness. It therefore makes the remarkable discovery that, quote, tactics as plan contradicts the basic spirit of Marxism, number 10, page 18, that tactics are, quote, a process of growth of party tasks that grow together with the party, page 11, Roboche Diello, this last pronouncement has a good chance of becoming a famous one that will provide an undying monument to the, quote, tendency of Roboche Diello. In response to the question, whither? Where to? A guiding organ gives the answer. Movement is a process of changing the distance between the beginning point and subsequent points of movement. This incomparable profundity is, however, not only a curiosity, in which case it would not be worth specially dwelling on, but the program of an entire tendency, namely the same program that R.M. in the separate supplement to Robochaya Musul, expressed with the words, the desirable struggle 
is one that is possible, and the possible struggle is the one that is going on at a given minute. This tendency is, in fact, unbounded opportunism that passively adapts itself to Stehinost. Quote, tactics as plan contradicts the basic spirit of Marxism, unquote. Hmm? But this is nothing but a slander on Marxism, a distortion that turns it into the very same caricature that the populists set up in their war with us. It is nothing but a lowering of the initiative and energy of purposive activists, since on the contrary, Marxism gives a gigantic incitement to the initiative and energy of the social democrat, turning over to his disposal, if I may express myself this way, the mighty forces of the millions and millions of the worker class rising up, quote, in Stahini fashion, unquote, for struggle. The entire history of international social democracy swarms with the plans that were advanced first by this and then by that political leader, plans that confirmed the foresight and the truth of the political and organizational views of one leader while exposing the myopia and political mistakes of another. When Germany went through an extremely important historical turning point, the formation of the empire, the opening of the Reichstag, the granting of universal suffrage, Liebknecht had one plan for social democratic politics and its work in general, while Schweitzer had another. When the exceptional laws came down on the heads of the German socialists, one plan was advanced by Most and Hasselmann, who were prepared simply to appeal to violence and terror. Another plan was advanced by Hochberg, Schramm, and partly Bernstein, who started preaching to the Social Democrats that they themselves had provoked the anti-socialist law by their unreasonable sharpness and revolutionary fervor, and that they should now earn forgiveness by exemplary behavior. A third plan came from those who prepared and carried out the publication of an illegal press organ. Looking back many years later, when the struggle over the issue of the choice of path has ended, and history has given a final judgment about the suitability of the path actually chosen, it is, of course, not too difficult to show one's profundity with pronouncements about the growth of party tasks that grow together with the party. But in a time of real confusion, note 16, when the Russian critics and the, quote, economists lower social democracy to trade unionism, and terrorists zealously preach the adoption of a, quote, tactics as plan, unquote, that simply repeats old mistakes. To limit oneself to this kind of profundity is equivalent to issuing oneself a, quote, certificate of poverty. So that, quote, 16, Ein Jahr der Verwirrung, a year of real confusion, this is the title Mehring gives to the section in his History of German Social Democracy, in which he describes the vacillations and irresoluteness that the socialists at first displayed when they were confronted with the selecting a tactic as plan that corresponded to the new conditions. Back in the text, at a time when many Russian social democrats suffer precisely from a lack of sufficient initiative and energy, from a lack of sufficient sweep in political propaganda, agitation and organization, this is a quote, uh, note 17 from the lead article in Iskra number one, uh, from a lack of sufficient plans, quote unquote, for a broader conception of revolutionary work 
at such a time to say, quote, tactics as planned contradicts the basic spirit of Marxism, unquote, means not only to vulgarize Marxism theoretically, but to drag the party backward in practice. Raboche Diallo instructs us, a revolutionary social democrat has the task only to accelerate objective development with his purposive work and not to eliminate it or substitute his subjective plan for it. Iskra knows this well enough in theory, but the enormous significance that Marxism justly gives to purposive revolutionary work carries it in practice, thanks to its doctrinaire view of tactics, toward the underestimation of the significance of the objective or stihini element of development. That's on page 19. So Lenin, just as good old-fashioned wisdom told us that it doesn't take much brains to produce offspring, just so the wisdom of, quote, the latest socialists, unquote, a la Nar- Narcissus Tuporilov, tells us that everybody has enough brains to participate in this tahini appearance in this world of a new social order. We also think everybody has enough brains for this. For participation of this sort, all you have to do is give in to, quote, economism when economism reigns, to terrorism when terrorism emerges. Thus, Last spring, when it was very important to issue a warning against being carried away by terrorism, Raboche Diello stood dumbfounded before an issue that was, quote, new for it. And now, half a year later, when this issue is no longer so current, it can at one and the same time announce to us that, quote, we think that it is not the task of social democracy, nor should it be, to counteract the upsurge in terrorist moods. Raboche Diello, number 10, page 23 and announces a resolution of its Congress in fall 1901, quote, the Congress states that systematic aggressive terror is inopportune to Congress's page 18. Oh, how remarkably clear and consistent. Hmm. We don't counteract it, but we do declare it inopportune and do our declaring in such a way that the, quote, resolution does not tell us anything about unsystematic and defensive terror. You have to admit that such a resolution is very safe and completely guaranteed from error, just as a person who talks in order to avoid saying anything is free from error. And only one thing is needed to put together such a resolution, the ability to keep oneself in the tail of the movement. When Iskra mocked Roboche Diallo for calling the terror issue a new one, Roboche Diallo angrily accused Iskra of, quote, the really unbelievable pretension of imposing on the party organization the solution of tactical issues given by a group of emigre writers 15 years ago, unquote. Page 24. Oh yes, what pretension and what an overestimation of the purposive element to try to resolve issues theoretically so that afterwards the organization, the party, and the mass can be persuaded of the correctness of this solution. Note 18. We also should not forget that when it, quote, theoretically resolved the issue of terror, the Emancipation of Labor Group generalized the experience of the preceding revolutionary movement. Back in the body, how much better simply to give us the same old stuff and not, quote, impose anything on anybody, but simply submit to every, quote, turning point, unquote, now towards, quote, economism and now towards terrorism, 
Roboche Diello even generalizes this grand precept of worldly wisdom, accusing Iskra and Zarya of, quote, opposing its program to the movement like a spirit brooding over the formless chaos, page 29. But isn't this the role of social democracy, to be a spirit that does not merely brood above the Stahini movement, but lifts up this movement to its program? This role is certainly not to drag along in the tail of the movement. This is useless for the movement, in the best case, and extremely harmful in the worst case. But Roboche Diallo not only adopts this, quote, tactics as process, but elevates it into a principle so that a better name than opportunism for its tendency would be tailism. And you have to admit that people who have definitely decided always to follow after the movement as its tail are absolutely, and for all time, guaranteed against, quote, underestimation of the Stahini element of development, unquote. Thus, we are convinced that the basic mistake of the, quote, new tendency in Russian social democracy consists in kowtowing towards Stahinost, in the inability to understand that the Stahinost of the mass demands from us, the social democrats, a massive purposiveness. The greater is the Stahini upsurge of the masses, and the wider becomes the movement, so much the more does the demand increase for a massive purposiveness in the theoretical, the political, and the organizational work of social democracy. The Stahini upsurge of the masses in Russia has taken place and continues to take place with such speed that social democratic youth found itself unprepared to carry out these gigantic tasks. This lack of preparation is our common misfortune, the misfortune of all Russian social democrats. The upsurge of the masses proceeded and became wider continually and with gathering momentum. It proceeded without stopping in places where it had already started, as well as conquering new localities and new strata of the population, ferment among the students, the intelligentsia in general, and even the peasantry gained energy due to the influence of the worker movement. But the revolutionaries fell behind this upsurge, both in their, quote, theories and in their activity. They did not succeed in creating an uninterrupted and continuous organization with gathering momentum that was capable of guiding the entire movement. In the first chapter, we demonstrated how Roboche Diallo lowered our theoretical tasks, and we pointed out their, quote, Stahini repetition of the fashionable catchword, freedom of criticism, unquote. The repeaters did not have sufficient, quote, purposiveness to understand the diametrical contrast between the relationship between, quote, unquote, critics, opportunists, versus revolutionaries on the one hand in Germany and on the other in Russia. In the following chapters, we shall see how this kowtowing before Stahinost manifested itself in the area of political tasks and in the organizational work of social democracy. I'm Fergal Schmudlock, the host of The Kingless Generation, a podcast on the deep history of class struggle. If you'd like to support this project, find us on Patreon. 